This is William. As like your normal kid, I love video games. He's 12 years old and he likes things that 12 year olds like. I love football. Uh, go Chargers. I used to be really into shooter games when I was young. Um, but now, you know, I've been a bit more pacified and I really like Minecraft as well. Football, Minecraft, hanging out with friends. But that's not why William is awake at 7 a.m. on a Saturday morning standing in a suit. So basically our sole contention, although we had Afghanistan in it, we didn't cover it. Um, so then we mainly talked about curbing Russian, Chinese, and Iranian influence. These kids the are here to debate and, like and present like speeches and perform like, pieces example, about some of the most complicated Iranian topics in the like world. The topics that the rest of us spend like our Iranian whole lives trying to wrap our heads that. around. And then so, yeah. William is a speech and debate competitor. And he's here because he, like all these other kids, wants to be the best speech and debate competitor in the United States. This is a, a national circuit level high school competition uh, and even uh, international. There, there's a group that flew from Taiwan to be here today. Okay, let's take a step back. Before you get your national circuits or your teams from Taiwan, you get the coaches, the organizers, people like John. My name is John Llewellyn. I have in some way or another been doing Sorry, I'm being distracted by my kids making sure. No, you're good. That's the important part. So, um... What John was going to say before he was pulled away by one of the many kids he's in charge of this morning is that he's been doing speech and debate for quite some time, and now he helps bring the activity to kids across the western United States through his after-school program, Modern Brain. I am the owner and founder of Modern Brain, and we're a program that trains students for academic competitions that involve oral or written communication uh, from one person to an audience. Modern Brain does does this through a variety of classes, both private classes held at their own locations and in conjunction with schools. They have a lot of students across California and even some in other states like Washington or Texas. They have almost too many students to count. When you talk about permanent classes uh, versus you know after school classes, you know uh, it's hard to say. I would say there's hundreds and hundreds of highly competitive kids who want to win at a national level. Uh, and then there are uh, low thousands that are casual uh, and just trying to get some basic understanding. This tournament alone has over 700 entries across 18 different events. Now, some of those entries are competing in more than one event, but still, it's a big undertaking with lots of moving parts. And this isn't even the only tournament that Modern Brain is participating in this weekend. So a lot of weekends we're not just doing one tournament, we're doing multiple tournaments. This weekend is no exception. We have an asynchronous tournament where students are, they pre-recorded videos. Uh, we have an elementary school live online competition. So all the elementary school students are actually sitting at home in front of their computers competing. Uh, and we have this live in-person tournament here uh, at Palos Verdes Peninsula High School. Three different tournaments, hundreds of kids competing, but this is just a fraction of the vision John has for this activity. Um, but it does bring up a good question, which is, you know, what are we trying to do and what's our, one of, which one of our sort of broader purposes? And that's to make speech and debate as fun and as big of a thing uh, as uh, football, basketball, baseball, you know, soccer, all that kind of stuff. Picture it. A hundred thousand fans packed in the seats of Sophie Stadium in Los Angeles. They erupt in applause as the first speaker begins constructing their case on whether or not the United States should subsidize organic farming. It might sound a little far-fetched, 
but it's not that far off from where we're at right now. Just in 2020, over 63 million people tuned in to watch the presidential debates. In January of 2023, we all obsessively watched as Kevin McCarthy tried to get elected as Speaker of the House. While oftentimes on the national level, these conversations are diluted with theatrics and soundbites and dramatic moments that sometimes mirror reality TV, in speech and debate, it can feel like the ideal version of what we want our lawmakers to actually be doing, which is talking about policy, talking about decisions, and talking about how we, as society and as a country, can improve the lives of ourselves and others. That sounds pretty stadium-worthy to me. And we're already on our way there. Each year, 140,000 students compete in K-12 speech and debate competitions. But a survey by the National Federation of State High School Associations found that in 2021, 7,618,054 high school students participated in physical sports, 55 times the amount that do speech and debate competitions. The question we ask here is, how can we bring those numbers closer together? So that's what we're doing here, making our own stadium in the digital space, and you, dear listener, are in the skybox. Please join us as we give you the tools, information, and opportunities to appreciate an intellectual competition like no other. And who knows? Maybe along the way, you'll learn a thing or two about world politics and economic policy straight from the mouths of children. From Modern Brain and Newton's Dark Room, this is We Talk to Walls. So, you're sitting in the metaphorical front row here. What do you see? What's going on at this tournament? A ton of students and parents that all have coffee, but all the students are dressed in black or white. Uh, They're all wearing heels and shivering in the cold, but a lot of socialization going on. I heard some talks about somebody not prepping, so... Already some concerns there. (laughs) That's my wife, Ray, who had never been to a speech and debate tournament before. And she's right. All around us are children dressed in business formal attire, suits, heels, blazers, pocket squares. And yeah, some of them are shivering. It's like 40 degrees outside right now. So they're also running all over the place. After all, they're kids and they've got energy to burn. If they're not running around or chatting with friends and parents, they're prepping. Sitting with laptops, books, and note cards, or standing in front of a wall and reciting an opening speech for their case. That's what William was doing when I first met him. Uh, So my name is William. I'm currently 12, and I compete in Novice PF. PF is short for public forum, a popular style of debate. That's what most people here are competing in. And while William said he was competing in novice PF, I want to clarify that that's novice high school PF. William is in middle school. He is already punching above his weight. You see, students start competing with their own age group. And as they get better and better, they go from novice middle school to open middle school, and then to novice high school, and then varsity high school. And William is just ready to move from novice high school competing against first-year high school debaters to competing at the varsity high school level against 16- to 18-year-old students. Now, back to PF. 
In public forum, all debate rounds share the same topic, at least for a certain period of time. So you know like a school year, it has like spring and the fall semester. So for kind of like for like fall semester of debate, um, we have topics that last two months each. And then after New Year's, so like when a new year passes, then we have a topic for each month. So then it changes. So for a whole month, these students get to research, practice, debate, and learn these topics inside and out. This month's topic? Our topic was that the United States federal government should increase its diplomatic effort in West Asia. Easy stuff. In public forum, you're not tackling this challenge on your own. There are two people to a team, and for that, we're going to meet William's debate partner, Eric. Um, I'm William's partner. Yeah. yeah, so my name is Eric. I'm in eighth grade right now, and I'm also completing a novice public forum here. Debating requires a lot of prep, both day of and in the weeks leading up to the tournament. Eric walked me through how he and William prepare. Yeah, I think if, like, right now, um, we've known this topic for, what, like, less than two weeks, so um, definitely not a lot of prep, like, um, not a lot of time for prep, so, like, definitely we were prepping last night until pretty late, but um, I think if we have, like, half, half an hour, um, we just get, get a few cards going and then practice our speeches and at least get the time, like, in, because um, I don't think I have time for, like, do research in 30 minutes. All this work, preparation, and presenting pays off, both during the round and outside it. I mean, I just really think that it's such an amazing and educational activity, right? Like you gain public speaking skills, you have like logical induction and deduction. Um, and these skills are not just for debate, like you can use them in like government, in business, all over the world, right? And they're basically applicable against uh, like across many other areas or fields of study. Even the act of competing itself can lead to learning moments. What I learn best from is like I win rounds to um, tell myself that I can do this, but then I also lose rounds that like I can still get better. But noble pursuits aside, at the end of the day, they still want to win, especially here. Remember, this is a national circuit tournament. But what does that even mean? Oh, um, when I say refer to it as national circuit, uh, I guess I'm referring to two things. Uh, one would be just the level of quality of the competition, uh, that those people are competing in order to win a national championship. Uh, and also that sometimes that means that it is a tournament that offers bids. And bids are sort of like tickets. Uh, you earn the right to go to a top national tournament like the Tournament of Champions uh, by earning two bids. Basically, the Tournament of Champions, one of the largest speech and debate competitions in the country, will hand out a number of bids to tournaments throughout the year. You can kind of think of bids like half of a Willy Wonka golden ticket. Depending on the tournament, if you place in the top 16, top 8, top 4, top 2, you can get half that ticket. And if you get two halves, you have a full ticket that'll let you into the Tournament of Champions. And this tournament right here has bits. The students that are competing are competing for their shot at the national championship. That is why people are coming from all over the world to compete at the Peninsula Invitational in Southern California. People like Kurt, who traveled all the way from Seattle, Washington, just so his daughter could compete at this tournament. Yeah, hi, um, my name is Kurt Huang. Um, I'm from Seattle. When the pandemic hit, many speech and debate programs had to shift to online teaching, which, while it had its own share of difficulties, 
also allowed people from a much broader geographical region to compete. Because pandemic, location doesn't really matter. So we picked the one we know our friends recommended uh, more to bring to us. We joined, we love this program here, so we continue. Of course, traveling across the country every weekend isn't the most ideal logistically. That's why some people have to be very purposeful with the kind of tournaments they compete in. So we are trying to pick the, the most important ones, like Peninsula, like UC Berkeley ones, TOC. That's um, Tournament of Champions. I don't know how many other uh, in-person tournaments we'll be able to attend, but we are trying to do as many as possible. But challenges and all, Kurt has found it to be worth it. It's an activity that his daughter really, truly loves. With time going on, compared to her other interests, she, she never complains about spending more time on preparing for debate. She never complains about that. And she enjoys going to class, uh, gets so much connection with her classmates. Um, and she just, I think, naturally fall in love with this. I don't know how. It's confirmed. Parents and students love speech and debate. After chatting with everyone, I figured it was time to finally sit in on a round of public forum debate. Now, I did not record the debate. Remember, this is an important tournament. They've all worked very hard to get to this point, and I don't want to wig them out by being a stranger standing in the corner of the room with a microphone and headphones. So instead, I talked to my wife before going in about what she thought a round of public forum debate would look like. I don't know. In my head, I have this picture of, of like two kids basically sitting around a bunch of adults that are like, I have this problem. Solve it. You know, like uh, like a community meeting at town center. <laughs> I know that's not what it is, but that's the only picture that comes to my brain. After the round, I checked in with her to see if what she saw matched up with her initial expectations. I would say yes in the terms of watching the event, like being that they are younger kids. It was, you know, the the mannerisms and everything. I definitely expected all of that. For example, William, in all his energetic 12-year-old glory, started doing neck stretches like he was a boxer stepping into the ring. But even this energy takes on a seriousness once they get going. I did expect a level of professionalism, which they all of the teams definitely brought, uh, which was very impressive to me. And like, you know, I'm looking at all these kids around and it's like, yeah, they, these kids know what they're doing. It's just pretty cool. While the tone of the debate matched her initial thoughts, there were other things that caught her off guard. Like, I guess in my brain, I had the idea of... Um, what you see on TV or what you've described to me before, which is like the the much higher levels and by higher, I mean like deeper into competition of like on a stage and the crowd below and like going back and forth in that realm. And this was like sitting in a quiet classroom that I was not expecting. <laughs> Most tournaments are held at schools. And while it would be great for everyone to have their own auditorium to compete in, when you have this many competitors, you've got to put people where you have the room. Mostly, this is classrooms, but sometimes that can even mean competing in a locker room. But even this, the ever-changing nature of debate competitions, helps the students grow in unique ways. For us, it's about getting practice. And if you're in a public speaking class, whether or not it's in college or in an after-school program or you're in a private class somewhere, it's not really public speaking. If you get comfortable with your classroom environment and then you don't go out and speak in unfamiliar environments, I think the goal is to help people to feel comfortable uh, speaking and communicating with others in unfamiliar new environments and help them to adapt. This round, the students are getting comfortable, adapting, and debating in a Spanish classroom. 
which I noticed the first second because I looked up and saw all of these Christmas chili lights. <laughs> and I was like, I, I think I bet this is a Spanish classroom. Just like in high school, our feet sat upon the little baskets that carried the textbooks underneath each desk. I also did not expect to sit in school this today. <laughs> there was one other element that caught her off guard. The speed at which these kids talk is insane. <laughs> we started and one of the boys started talking and I was like, whoa. <laughs> so that was that was also something that stuck out in my brain because I just thought it was him for a second. And then each other kid did it. And I was like, oh, we're just going that speed. <laughs> all right. All right. I can keep up. For people like Rain and I, who never competed in debate, it can be a little hard to keep up. The thing is, not every debate judge is experienced in debate. They call those lay judges, as opposed to flow judges who understand the flow and note-taking techniques needed to follow a fast debate. Since the experience of the judges can vary, competitors need to adjust their approach accordingly. Um, and you know, like we adjust our speed for every single judge, whether it's lay or flow, like whether they focus more on performance, speaking, or like the actual content. Rain and I were very impressed by both sides, and it sounds like William felt the round was close too. Uh, my thoughts on this round, I thought our opponents were really strong. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, it's like a toss up, either win or you lose, right? So did Eric and William win or lose? And will they make it past the first round of eliminations to compete in day two of the tournament? And what is the speech side of speech and debate look like? We'll be covering that next episode as we venture into the final day of the Peninsula Invitational right here on We Talk to Walls. Do your kids want to try speech and debate? Modern Brain offers both in-person and online classes for all ages and experience levels. To find out how to get involved, visit modernbrain.com. We Talk to Walls is a production of Newton's Dark Room. It was written, recorded, and produced by yours truly, Talon Stradley. The artwork is by my wonderful wife, Rain Stradley. The music for this episode was provided by musicvine.com. Special thanks to John Llewellyn and Modern Brain for making this podcast possible. If you like this show, you might enjoy my other 11-episode speech and debate podcast, Soapboxers, that follows my old community college team as they rebuild their program in the wake of COVID-19. For more on that, as well as my other podcasts, visit newtonstarkroom.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.